0: Going through a fiery trial, I'm sure when you saw that this morning, you were just thrilled to death about this talk this morning. How many of you going through a fiery trial have ever said something like this? If you're anything like me, you've probably said, I cannot believe that this is happening to me. Or better yet, we'll, we'll look to the sky and we'll shake our fists and say, I can't believe that you would allow this in my life. That's a common reaction for us. That's how we normally react. When a fiery trial, when a circumstance that's beyond our control comes in, we begin to react and respond by saying, I can't believe that this is, this is happening to me. Now, I'm not referring to those trials and those circumstances that that are swift, they're brief, and they're easily forgotten. I'm not referring to those. I'm talking about those trials that linger, those trials that press hard upon us, that, that stay, And that they leave us exhausted at the end of the day. All we want to do is curl up in bed and never get out. Because the trial that we're facing, the difficulty that we're encountering is pressing so hard upon us that we're we're exhausted. Some of you can relate. I see you shaking your head. And what Peter is about to lay out for us is the script for going through a fiery ordeal. Those trials that that weigh heavy upon us. It's exactly what what Peter calls fiery ordeals. Fiery ordeals trials. You know, Peter is writing to a group of believers that have been scattered, a group of believers that have been taken from their homes and away from everything that they've known to be normal, and they're now being persecuted for their faith. They, they trusted Christ, they've made the public profession, they've been baptized, and now many of their families won't have anything to do with them, and they've been scattered to, because the madman Nero is persecuting them and killing them off one by one. These people that Peter is writing to are going through fiery trials. And for us to understand really what Peter's about to unpack, we first need to go just a book before, to the book of James. James spends three verses talking about this very thing. He gives us a baseline. He gives us a blueprint for what what a trial is, what it kind of looks like, what we can expect. So go over to, to James chapter one. We're gonna spend just a couple of minutes there this morning looking at really just the baseline for, for trials. And James is really writing to the same kind of people: people that have been scattered, people that are suffering, people that are enduring unfair persecution, injustice, just as we've talked about the last several several weeks. And James steps up to the microphone. James is the half-brother of Jesus. He steps up to the microphone. These people who are suffering, who are being persecuted, who are losing their lives, and, and listen to what he says in verse 2 of chapter 1. He says this, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. <laughs> now just the fact that he would say that is mind-boggling to these people, but he says, hey, I understand you're, you're suffering, I understand that you're being persecuted, and many of you are losing your life, but let this be an opportunity to rejoice. You should be joyful when these troubles come your way, for when your faith is tested in verse three, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Just looking at these couple of verses, James gave us four quick points that we need to understand before we go any further this morning. Number one, James tells us is, is that it's common for us, it's common for us to encounter trials. If you're a follower of Christ. You're going to encounter a trial. Don't let anyone tell you, and please don't tell anyone, that the moment you become a follower of Christ, all your trials are gone. You're never going to face any suffering in your life. And That's just not true. That goes against everything that Peter tells us, that James tells us, and even Jesus tells us when he talks to his disciples of picking up their cross and following me. When you are a follower of Christ, it's commonplace, it's normal for you to face fiery trials, for you to suffer. Now, I don't know what trial you're going through. I mean, some of you know because you're going through it right now. But I'm I'm facing trials. My wife, Amanda, she's facing trials. Members of our staff are facing trials. The one thing that we have in common, everyone that's hearing my voice this morning, is that all of us face trials. Trials are a commonplace in the Christian life. Number two, James just piggybacks on that and says trials come in various categories. They're gonna come, and when they come, they're gonna be diverse. In fact, that word for troubles here really means diverse, many, various, different kinds of trials. Some you know, you're gonna face some relational trials. Um, you're gonna be dealing with a, a coworker, and you're just not gonna get along. You're gonna have that trial. Some of you, you're gonna deal with uh, relational issues at home or relational issues with loved ones that are far away. We're going to face different relational trials. Some of you, it's it's an emotional trial. You're going through different emotional pain and emotional suffering. Some of you are going to deal with trials um, that are the financial matter. Some are very private um, trials that you go through where no one will know except for you that you're going through this trial. And And others will face public trials where your trial that you're dealt with is very public and open and everybody knows about it. The simple fact is this, they're various, they're diverse. Not one trial looks the same. You know, we don't have a blueprint. There's not a scripture that says, hey, this is what you can expect when you turn 30. This is what you can expect when you turn 40. Because every tri- there's no blueprint for that. But Peter will give us quickly a blueprint for what we're to do when we're faced with suffering, when we're faced, when we're going through a fiery trial. So trials come in various categories. Number three, He tells us that trials put our faith to the test. Look at look at James. This is what he says. He says, For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. We're gonna get into this aspect of endurance and what that means in a minute. But when your faith is tested, it's an opportunity for your faith to grow. When you're going through trials, it's a test. Life is kind of like a schoolroom. I mean, I have never gone through a class whether elementary high school, college or grad school where I wasn't tested. I mean, that's just a normal part. You sign up for a class, you know you're going to be tested. And some of you um, high school students that are looking for that college, hate to tell you this, but every college is going to test you. It's going to examine you on what, you're being, on what you're being taught. In fact, your parents probably wouldn't sign the check and let you go to that college unless they had some type of testing in place to know if you're understanding the material Life is kind of like that. It's a test. It's to be expected. We have to know that what we're being taught, what we're going through is going to be examined. Trials have, a, have an opportunity to simplify our life. It brings us back to the foundational aspects of our faith. Right? When I am tested going through a trial, I'm tested on my dependence upon God. My prayer life, my faithfulness in church, different things that I remember, hey, this is really important for me, and sometimes the testing that I'm going through brings me to that point. It's a it's a test. Number four, without trials, there cannot be maturity. Without trials, there cannot be maturity. Look at verse, verse three and four. It says, for when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse four, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully devoted... You'll be strong in character and ready for anything. You'll be strong in character and you'll be ready for anything. This idea of maturity really means that finished product. Just let endurance have its perfect results. That's one translation says that. In other words, this is what Peter's telling us, that, or James is telling us, that when a trial comes our way, when we're faced with that fiery trial, what, what's our natural reaction? It's to bolt. It's to run. It's to go the opposite way. But P, what James is telling us is let it have its perfect result. Let it happen. Understanding that this is a maturing process. That when you're being tested, that when these trials are coming to your life, that it's about the finished product. There's some trials in our life that we're not able to control. We're not able to stop the pain. We're not able to to maneuver and manipulate our way out of it. And all we can do is just take it and understanding that this is maturing our faith. And there's other trials that we can stop the pain. We can end it and we can manipulate and maneuver. But, But Peter and James tells us, hey, just stop. Just let it happen because this is about the end result. This is about the maturing process in your life. So if we're going to understand what Peter's about to lay out for us, we have to understand those four quick points. That it's a maturing process, that it's a test, that they come in various ways. And it's common, it's normal for us to face these trials, for us to face these moments of suffering. I, mean, I, I wish I could get up here this morning and tell you what your test will be. I wish I could say, hey, when you leave today, this is what you can expect. And in the next couple of months, here's what you can expect. I can't do that. I mean, and some of you in the room know exactly what your trial is because you're going through it. You're dealing with it right now. You're in the very thick of it and it's weighing upon you. But here's what Peter's about to tell us. That this testing, these trials that you're going through, that all of us have, that none of us are immune from, that this is really about training. Training to become more like Christ. Look at First Peter. Turn your Bibles to First Peter chapter 4. Here's where Peter begins to lay the groundwork for us. This is the first two verses. Then we're going to skip and we're going to go to verse 12 through through 19. But, But here's what he says in the first two verses of this chapter. He says, So then, Christ suffered physical pain. You must arm yourself with the same attitude he had. That's the command for today. Arm yourself with the same attitude, with this athlete mentality. We'll get into that in a second that you will suffer just as Christ suffered. Arm yourself with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you're willing to suffer for Christ, you have decided to stop sinning. This is that maturing process. That's becoming more like Jesus. That's the working out of your faith. Verse two, and you won't spend the rest of your life chasing after evil desires, but you'll be anxious to do the will of God. The will of God for your life is to become more like Christ. And if part of becoming more like Christ is experiencing the same kind of suffering that he experienced, then this is actually for our good, not for our harm. God isn't sending these trials and fiery ordeals into our life to harm us, but it's to make us more like his son. It's for our good. It's the outworking of our our faith. So Peter says, hey, you got to arm yourself with this training mentality. Arm yourself with the same mentality that Christ had because you're never going to understand why you're going through this unless you first understand why you're going through it to begin with. It is a trial that tests our faith and it matures us to become more like, more like his son. You know, we can't be surprised. I mean, Peter tells us that. We can't be surprised that they're going to happen. James tells us that. And I think about this as training if you train for any kind of um, marathon or any kind of workout routine, the moment you begin to work out, the moment you begin to to run, the moment you begin to pedal on that bike, guess what? You're gonna suffer. It's not gonna be very exciting the first time you get out and do this workout. And one of Pastor Darren's really good friends, Devin Riley, he's a conditioning specialist and he's he's a member here at Heartland Church. And he said this, I think this is interesting. He admits That training is supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to feel unpleasant. He says at some point in every training session, every run, every ride, there is suffering. Even an easy rest day, right? When I'm just gonna take it easy, I'm not gonna get my heart rate over 120, I'm just gonna just gonna rest and relax you still have some mental suffering that happens because you don't want to put the shoes on. You don't want to hit the pavement. You have to arm yourself. You have to get over. That. But here's the thing. When you begin the workout, even on the rest day, even when you're going through that program, that suffering that you thought you'd experience begins to melt away. Why? Because you're conditioning your body for the end result. Not just the here and the now, but you're conditioning your body for, for what you desire, for the, for, the, for, for the results that you want. Never more true was this in my life than in the end of March. After Easter, I started with one of our worship leaders, Nate Manning. We started the program Insanity. Now, some of you have seen the infomercial, and I was a big skeptic. I'm like, there's no way. This is is real. 60 days, and you're going to look like this. There's absolutely no way that's going to happen. But I'm telling you, that program Insanity is every bit as insane as it looks on TV. There was so much suffering every day just to get up push play on the DVD player, and do the workout. There was a moment, if it wasn't for Nate, there, I, I have promised you there's no way I would have finished that program. It was, it was the most difficult thing physically that I've ever done. Going through it day after day, I suffered. But guess what? After the 60 days, I had incredible results. I was able to put up with the suffering, knowing that, hey, this is giving me the results that I want. And this is the same idea that Peter's laying out for us. That we have to arm ourselves, that put on this mentality that it's not just about the here and the now, that it's about the end result, about you becoming more like Christ, that it's okay if you go through suffering and you can expect it and that's normal. And don't be surprised because this is working out your faith to become more like Jesus. Arm yourself with this mentality. Arm yourself with this understanding. He tells us in verse 12, look at verse 12 of chapter of uh, chapter 4. He says, dear friends, don't be surprised. There it goes again. Don't be surprised at these fiery trials that, like, like it's something strange that's happening to you. It's not strange. it's just normal. Being a Christian and suffering and having trials in your life, it's a normal part of your life. Don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as, as if something strange is happening to you. Instead... Be very glad. <laughs> be, be excited that this is happening in your life. Be thrilled that you're going through some of this, this suffering because, this is what he says, because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering and afterward you will have wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it's displayed. You can rejoice in doing the insanity program. You can rejoice in hitting the pavement. You can rejoice in, in peddling because of the results that you will have. And you can rejoice in going through the trials because you are becoming more like Christ and you are experiencing His glory on a totally different level than ever before. Rarely, and in fact not rarely, I don't think we can really experience the fullness of Christ's suffering and the fullness of the crucifixion until we have gone through some suffering in our life. When we arm ourselves with this mentality, just as Christ had, understanding that Christ suffered, and so will we, we're able to appreciate the crucifixion on a totally different level. Don't be surprised and rejoice. Rejoice because this is making you more like Christ. Oh, okay, Jared, I hear you. Don't be surprised. And rejoice. And that's great. Thanks a lot. I'm glad I came to church today. So glad that I walked into this building. But here's the thing. Peter's going to, he's going to give us some handles. Because many of you are going through a trial right now and you don't know what to do. You're going through a circumstance that's beyond your control. And Peter gives us five handles that we can grab onto. That we can pull ourselves up as we go through these trials. And understanding the baseline that you can't be surprised. And our response is to rejoice. The first thing Peter tells us is this, that when you go through these trials, when you're faced with these difficulties, number one, you can get maximum power. You can receive maximum power. Look at what he says in verse 14. He says, be happy if you're insulted for being a Christian. I mean, these people are being persecuted because of their faith. They're being treated poorly. They're being executed. And, and, and Peter says, be happy if you're insulted for being a Christian. For then, when you suffer, for when you go through that moment, for then, this is in verse 14, for then you will, for the glorious spirit of God will come upon you. You will receive the glorious spirit of God. What a privilege. What a privilege it is. Just take a step back and and understand that when I go through suffering, that the Holy Spirit is available to me, that I'm able to receive maximum benefit and maximum power. When we take a step back and stop trying to control it, and we begin to allow God to work in our life we 'll begin to experience Him fresh and new in ways that we never dreamt possible i 'm a control guy; you guys know i mean i 've kind of shared that a little bit the last couple of times i 've i 've preached it 's hard for me to know how to, how to fix something and just to to step back and, and to relax and let God have His perfect plan. Let this trial be what the trial should be to mature me it 's hard for me to get to that to that point but here's what he said when you take a step back when you take your hands off the steering wheel it's an opportunity for you to allow and to receive the maximum power not only that but when you are involved in a small group when you have a group of people who are walking the journey with you when you have people who are coming alongside and helping you and assisting you when you're going through a trial then you're able to experience you're able to experience the power of intercessory prayers in ways you never would be able to before There is maximum power that's available to you when you go through a trial. But what we have to do, we have to make the deposit. We have to entrust that God is in control and he's working all things out for our good, not being surprised and rejoicing and knowing that he is making this for our benefit. When we do that, when we understand that, we're able to receive the maximum power. Not only that, but he tells us in verse 15 that some of the suffering that you're going through... Some of it's deserved. I mean, some of the suffering that you are dealing with, you caused yourself. Look what he says in verse 15. He says, if you suffer, however, it must not be for for murder. Because if you murder someone, even if you're a Christian or not, you deserve to suffer. You deserve to go to jail. You deserve to be put on trial. You deserve what you get. Stealing, same thing. Making trouble, if you're an evildoer and you're still a Christian, you're going to suffer a little bit. You can't expect, just because you're a Christian, that if you do those things, you're not going to go through fiery trials. That's expected. You put that upon yourself. And then he says this. He lumps this in. I think all of us can relate. He lumps this in, even if you pry into other people's business. Jared, no one trusts me. I'm going through it. No one wants to be my friend. Well, maybe because you meddle, because you're a busybody, because no one trusts you. Maybe some of the suffering that you're experiencing, you've caused. I think that's important to know. You can't shake your fist at God and wonder, why is this happening to me when you caused it? For instance, we just drove back from our HSC campus. Now, if we were to drive at a high rate of speed and a police officer was to pull us over, guess what? I would suffer paying the fine. But I'd pay the fine because I broke the law. Some of the suffering that we encounter, that we go through is deserved. It's important to understand. But even though some of the suffering is deserved, not all of it, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, that's, not all of our suffering is deserved, but some of it is. But here's the liberating thing. Here's the thing that I really want you to understand this morning. Here's the handle that you can grab onto. Most suffering shouldn't cause us to be ashamed. The suffering that you're going through this morning, there's no reason to feel shame. There's no reason to feel guilt for the suffering that you're experiencing. Look, look at verse 16. Listen, listen to what Peter says. But it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his wonderful his wonderful name. Some of you some Christians, and i 'm lumping myself when I say you this morning. some Christians feel ashamed when we go through trials, when we suffer, when we admit that we can't handle it alone. There is absolutely no shame, no guilt in receiving help and getting a professional therapist or a Christian counselor to come alongside and to help us as we go through these trials. So many people are afraid of of taking that step and seeking help because of the guilt and the shame that they have because for so long we've been told uh, or or we have this in our mentality that, that we can't tap into that. We should be able to handle it. Peter says, listen, there's no shame in going through trials. The body of Christ is for to come alongside to help and to assist. Never was this more clear in my life than a year ago. My father um, admitted to his crimes and my future was up in the air and didn't know which way to go and just found out we were pregnant with our our, our second child and a lot of stress, a lot of pressure trying to figure out the whole family dynamic and the church dynamic and all of those types of things. I needed some assistance. I needed some help. I wasn't able to do it alone. It was a lot for me to admit, hey, I, I need some help but the guilt and the shame of, of not getting it is, is, is a terrible anchor that weighs us down, that keeps us from experiencing all that God wants for us. There is no shame in needing assistance. There is no shame of going through a trial. We believe so much in this here at Heartland Church that we have a ministry designed specifically for this. One-on-one Christian care, where people will come alongside you and help you and encourage you and just be present to you while you go through these trials and sufferings and circumstances in your life. There's no guilt that's totally confidential. But we believe so much in being there for people when they go through certain circumstances that we have a ministry designed specifically for this. There is no guilt, there is no shame in going through your trial and suffering this morning. It's a liberating thought. Guilt and shame are anchors that weigh us down and keep us from all that God has for us. Don't be shameful. Don't don't be ashamed of, of the trial you're faced with. Number four, usually suffering... It's timely and it's needed. Usually suffering is timely and it's needed. Look at verse 17. This is what he says. For the time has come for judgment. And it must begin first among God's own children. You know, when you know judgment's coming, what are you going to do? You're going to clean house. <laughs> You're going to get rid of all the things that don't belong there. It's never more clear to me. We, we've moved twice in the last year. Um, when you move, you clean and you, you purge. This is the idea here. You get rid of the things that you don't need, you haven't used in a long time. We went through my closet, and I had shirts from high school and, and college. My wife was like, these are so disgusting, get rid of them. And I would take trash bags full of clothes to Goodwill. I don't know why I kept them. I, I think that I'm a collector. My wife seems to think that I'm a hoarder. And she says, you need you need some help. I'm actually seeking one of our one-on-one care receivers about this. There's no guilt and shame in being a hoarder. I'm telling you. hoarders. I see some people shaking their heads. Hoarders unite. Wives are nudging their husbands. But when you move, when you know you can't fit it all in a moving truck, what do you do? You purge it. You give it away. You get rid of it. Now, we moved here last October and we recently moved from a rental home into um, the home that we just purchased. In eight short months, it is amazing the stuff that accumulates, the things that you don't need. And guess what? After eight months of living in a rental home, we took more trips to Goodwill, more trips um, to the trash trash heap, all those things that we're just not using this stuff. Here's the idea that Peter's saying, that judgment's coming and when you know judgment's coming, you're going to get rid of the things that don't matter. You begin to simplify your life. You begin to return to the basics of your faith, knowing that God loves you, that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you, that He has a plan and a future for you, more than and, and life is full and life is abundant in Christ, more than it could ever be alone. It simplifies your faith. It brings you to the foundation of prayer, to the foundation of being involved in Christian community when you're going through trials. You purge, you get rid of everything else that's not needed. You get rid of everything else that you think is so important, but when the trial hits, you realize stuff just isn't important anymore. You get rid of relationships that you no longer need, relationships that are just constantly holding you down, negative people in your life that constantly are just a weight. When you purge, you get rid of those things. That's the idea that trials and suffering is usually helpful and it's needed. Even though it's painful, so well, it's not easy. It's helpful. It's needed. And number five, Peter tells us this, that when we go through trials, that when we suffer, realize that they're temporary. They're not going to be there forever. But, but here's the kicker. Here, here's the encouragement um, for some of you that it's temporary. And here's the challenge for others. But there is a suffering. There is suffering that will last forever. Look what he says in verse 17 the end of it he says and if even we christians must be judged what terrible fate awaits those who have never believed god's good news and if the righteous are barely saved what chance will the godless and sinners have if you're far from christ if you've never put your faith in jesus christ this morning let me just let me just get real with you for a minute the suffering that you experience on earth it will not cannot compare the suffering that you'll experience for eternity apart from Christ. With anguish, despair, the suffering that we experience here on earth is temporary, but there is a suffering that is eternal apart from Christ. This morning, if you've never tapped into into God's gift for you, the forgiveness of sins, make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. In just a few moments as we dismiss, there'll be prayer partners all down front. They'll talk with you about this. They'll begin to explain to you what a personal relationship with Christ is all about. The launch pad, the beginning stages for a new faith in Christ. There's suffering that's temporary. That's the good news. But there is some suffering that will last forever. (laughs) Okay, Jared, I hear you. But I mean, come on. (laughs) You're 30 years old. What are you telling me about suffering? What do you really... No. I'm going to be the first person to admit, you're right. I don't know a lot. I've gone through some things in my life, but compared to many of you, you have me beat by miles. But here's what I know. That suffering, it's relative. It's relative. Stress and pressure are constant. Because the things that I thought were a very big deal when I was 15, like, getting, like breaking up with my girlfriend, I thought the world was over. My parents would look at me and laugh, like, are you serious? That was a big, that was a big deal to my life. I mean, I, that, was, that was a major deal. Now, I'm 30, and I look back at my life when I'm 25, and the things I thought were a major deal when I was 25 before kids, guess what now? <laughs> Nothing compares to having kids. I mean, those things are easy. And some of you now are looking at me, a 30-year-old, and saying, well, your biggest issue is, is you can't get any sleep at night? I mean, come on, I'm twice your age, and that is a minor deal. But hey, but I'm suffering. I'm not getting any sleep at night. That, that's a big deal. But some of you are like, hey, that's it's no big deal. Why? Because suffering matures us. When we go through it, we understand, hey, looking back at it, when we have the end result in mind, those things that we're dealing with aren't a big deal. It's relative. And some of you are going through a major trial in your life at 15. And that's real. That's a major deal. Some of you are 30 and you're going through a trial and that's real. That's a major deal. 50, 60. You're going through a major deal in your life. Maybe you just got the news that you, from the doctor that it doesn't look very good, and you're going through one of those circumstances where you just don't know what to do. Or maybe you heard those words from your spouse that you never dreamed you would ever hear. You don't know what to do. Maybe you're sitting in here this morning. You just found out that your company is downsizing and you're losing your job. You don't know what to do. Peter gives us two quick scripts. He gives gives us the script here in the last verse in 19. I'm going to just touch on this briefly. Listen to what he says. He says, so if you're suffering according to God's will, because that's God's will, you're going to suffer. You're going to become more like Christ. And part of becoming more like Christ is going through trials. He says, keep on doing what is right and trust yourself to the God who made you for he will never fail you. When you go through this trial, the first thing you can remember is that God is faithful. When he says to trust yourself to God. That literally means make a deposit. When you go to the bank and deposit your paycheck or deposit some money, when you go to use your debit card, you go to pay that bill, you expect that money to be there. It's the same idea here. That when you're going through that trial, and if you've deposited yourself into God, you can tap into him and knowing that when you go through this trial, he's going to be there. He's going to walk beside you. He's going to be your comfort. He's going to be your guide. He's going to be your shepherd and protect you and, and hedge the evil one away from you. Because when you entrust yourself to God, he is faithful. He's not going to waste a test. He's not going to ruin a good thing that he's doing in your life. That when you in deposit yourself to God's care, he is faithful. So the question you have to ask yourself is have you deposited yourself to God's care? Have you taken that step and said, God, I can't control it? I try to do it all by myself, but now this morning I'm depositing this trial into your care. And when you go through that, he's there. You're never, it's, it's, the money's always gonna be there. It's not gonna go bankrupt. It's not gonna lose its value. God is faithful. Number two, this is what Peter says. And this is... Simple, just a simple, simple fact. He says, Do what is right. Look look what he says here. So if you're suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what's right. When trials stay, and they will stay. When they linger and they press hard upon you, what do you normally want to do? You want to react. You want to ask yourself those questions. You want to shake your fist. Instead, Peter tells us to respond. Don't be surprised. And to rejoice, knowing that the end result, that this is a marathon, that this is about a maturing process, you can respond. You don't want to retaliate, you want to rejoice, be thankful that this is happening, that God is using this test in your life to make you more like his son. The next thing you can do that is right, instead of of running and bolting and going the opposite direction... You can rest in who God is, that he has a plan for you, even when you can't see it, that you can rest in his arms. So friends, if you're going through a trial this morning, if you just come through a trial, or when you go through a trial, you can remember that God is not going to waste this test, that he is faithful, he has you in the palm of his hands. And you can do what's right, the strength and the power that He gives us through Jesus Christ. Do you believe that this morning? Do you receive this this morning? I know you do. I know you do. In just a few moments, after I pray, we're going to have an announcement video. And after the announcement video, Pastor Clary is going to come on stage and he's going to encourage you one last time to come for prayer. Some of you this morning, you you need to have a baseline. You need to put your faith in Christ. Don't leave this room this morning without understanding there's a God who loves you and he has a good plan for you. Some of you this morning, you have so much guilt and shame in your life. It is weighing you down. Come this morning, grab one of our prayer partners, hold them by the hand. They want to pray for you, they want to walk this journey with you. Don't leave this room this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet, it is a light unto our path. Thank you for the advice from Peter, the handles that we can hold on to that as we go through a fiery trial, that we we shouldn't be surprised. We can rejoice because this is working all things out for your good. Even in the heartache, even in the uncertainty, even when we're at a loss, you are using this for your good to be accomplished in our life. I pray for those this morning that are dealing with that fiery trial. They need a touch from you this morning. Give us the strength. Give us the capacity to seek help. There's no shame. There's no guilt. Thank you for being a God who cares, a God who is faithful, and a God who we can rest in. And all of us said together this morning, amen, amen.